You're listening to the No Labels, No Limits podcast with best-selling author Sarah Box, where you get the inside scoop on the steps action takers and decision makers take to align their purpose to their principles and achieve their goals in business and life. We focus on the mantra, no labels, no limits, no excuses. And now, without further ado, please welcome your commanding coach with plenty of chutzpah and heart, Sarah Box. Hey there, No Labels, No Limits podcast listeners. I want to grab just a couple of minutes before we start today's podcast and let you know about a new membership community that's opening up. It's called The Sandbox. Now, The Sandbox was explicitly designed so that folks like you, who have big dreams and goals, who are working on busting through limiting labels and beliefs, who are overcoming challenges, have a place to come, A, to be encouraged, to get tips and tools, to meet other people and share ideas, and just relax. So as a member, you're going to have exclusive access to an extensive library of training, tools, and resources that have been meticulously crafted over the years. But that's not all. You are actually in the driver's seat, so you can help shape the direction of the content and the sandbox. So what's actually in the sandbox? Well, there will be expert sessions that will be tailored to your needs with a focus on the questions that come from our community. There are group learning sessions, live trainings, Q&A sessions, and we will be sharing inspiring membership success stories. You will have an opportunity to learn and grow alongside fellow Sandbox community members. If you need guidance or support, our online forum is going to be the perfect space to engage with other members, ask questions, find motivation, and share your success with the Sandbox community. We are committed to your success, and that's why we're offering monthly challenges and support check-ins, ensuring you're always on track. So click the link below and put your name either on the waiting list or sign up today for the Sandbox community, and we'll see you there where the dreams will be unleashed and you'll start making rapid progress. Hey there, No Labels, No Limits podcast listeners. Welcome back. I'm Sarah, your host of the No Labels, No Limits podcast, where we're on a mission to help individuals, teams, and organizations, especially nonprofits, think outside the box, move beyond limiting labels and beliefs, and create a profound impact that they're on a mission to do. We do this by sharing accomplished and inspiring guests who have challenged their own limiting labels and beliefs um, to pursue and accomplish personal and professional goals. So that's one of the reasons that I'm excited to introduce you to today's guest, Thomas Vincent Jacobs. Now, I'll ask, I'm going to call you Tom. Is that okay? Or do you go by the full <laughs> name? No, please, please. He's so a little bit like my mother calling me Thomas I know. Vincent. It's like, so, sorry. Thomas <laughs> Vincent Jacobs, get in here right now. That's, oh. That's hey. a little PTSD. Thank you. I think we all have those memories. Like when you get your first, middle, and last name, it's like, whoa. Mm. Oh, yeah. So <laughs> whooping's about to come. Yeah. yeah. Or at least something not, it's not the name you want to necessarily be called by in yeah. that tone. No. Okay. That's so right. anyway, folks, Tom's good. <laughs> Tom is what it's going to be from here on out. So Tom Excellent. is a seasoned entrepreneur and he's experienced and lows and his own journey, which we're going to talk about today. He's got over 30 years as an entrepreneur, and that journey to his own description has been a roller coaster of both failures and successes. But those have actually shaped him to who he is today, and he said he would not trade any of it for anything because that experience has been the building blocks of his growth and resilience. So isn't that great when we can grow and become more resilient? Now, six years ago, if my math is correct, 2017, Tom made a significant move. It's a big move. Um, and he sold his fitness business that he'd been operating for nine years. And he went on an entirely new adventure as the impact pilot. I love this concept. So his mission now is helping fellow entrepreneurs soar to new heights by generating more income through ingenious sales, conversations, strategies, and the power of storytelling. So listeners all know we love storytelling here. We love ingenious ideas and thoughts. Um, so Tom's not limited to the entrepreneurial world. He's made appearances on various media platforms, 
and he has a BFA degree in theater from DePaul University, licenses on sand, on land, sand, on land, <laughs> sea. And so sometimes I transcribe things in my head. He has licenses for land, sea, and air, including private pilot's license for single engine airplanes and a scuba certification. So his skills are as diverse as they come. So today we're going to dive deep, my intentional scuba reference, <laughs> into Tom's journey, his passion for helping others succeed, and how those diverse combination of experiences have shaped his approach to business and his life. Um, and we're going to talk about how to craft an impactful story so that you can grow the business that you love and influence others. And... um how to overcome real and perceived limitations. So with that, let's formally welcome, and I won't use your whole name, Tom <laughs> Jacobs to the podcast. <laughs> Thank you so much, Sarah. That was quite quite the intro. Thank you. Uh, it's fun. It's just so fun to learn about people. And I think, oh, I should make the intro short. I said, no, but I really think this is important, you know, <laughs> to me. So um, I want to start back. Not that far back, but a little bit back of where you talked about your whole major pivot or shift in 2017. What prompted that change for you to sell your business and go mm -hmm. in this direction as the impact pilot? That's a great question. And it really that, that started about five years into me owning the business. So... At that time, I had been working with a uh, coaching company that was helping me with my fitness business and, and um, everything that you need as a business owner. And I was doing really well in the in the business. And they asked me to actually help them coach uh, other fitness business owners. And so I did that, you know, while I still owned my fitness center and I actually loved it. And, uh, you know, I was able to travel around the world and do speaking events and I was able to sell their program for them and do coaching. And that started me on this road of, you know, what? there's a world beyond the brick and mortar and the physical location. And I love traveling and having that brick and mortar was really uh, kind of keeping me in place, keeping me in, in Houston are always coming back there. So. I eventually made the decision to sell it, and uh, it was probably one of the best decisions I've made in my life. <laughs> so did you know prior to them asking you to help other businesses get going that you had a knack and a love for coaching and helping people in that way? Had you done that prior? I had not done business coaching uh, prior to that, but, you know, coaching and the physical aspect, I think is is very similar to coaching you know, business, it's just you, you coach from your experience and ask the right questions. <laughs> and, then, and that's that's really what sales is, too. When it really comes down to it, you're coaching somebody on their way to purchasing your product. So it's all tied together. So it's not it wasn't like it was a complete one. It was not like I went to medical school and became a doctor or something like that. Well, you did get all your licenses for other things. <laughs> that's true. So when the apocalypse happens, and happens, I'm I'm all good. I'll either be under the sea, over the ocean, or wherever. Whatever, we can count on you to be out there <laughs> somewhere. Okay, so but you said that throughout all of this, the changes, the transitions, and what you're doing, brick and mortar, to what you're doing today, that you have really honed the craft and the art of impactful storytelling. So define impactful storytelling for me, because it's now, and people are saying, you know, we want your story out, storytelling. And I, when I ask that question, people have similar views on it, but different takes on it. So share your definition of impactful storytelling. Yeah, well, the impact story that we ultimately uncover um, by working together is, is, is the signature story that you might tell at every event, every intro of any speaking engagement. Um, but it's it's the, that defining story in your life. And we have multiple defining stories in our life. But generally, we have one or two that had that do or die moment. It was either a comedy or a tragedy. And uh, 
it's meant to get your prospects or your your who you're speaking to to understand why you do what you do today. And I, I think it's important to share that, especially in a sales conversation, and especially if you're in a what I consider a heart-centered industry, like health and wellness is very much you know heart-centered. Absolutely. That, yeah, people want to know know you and why you do what you do so that they can trust you with their money and their body sometimes and and help them change you know the situation that they're currently in. Yeah, that's a vulnerable and I don't mean like terribly vulnerable, but you're basically saying I need guidance, you know, mm-hmm. I want help. And it is good to, you want confidence in the person, but also you want someone that is relatable. In my opinion, 100%. having had coaches in the <laughs> yeah. fitness space, no, I just I want someone that's relatable who can like say, I think you could do a little more. I know. <laughs> I know I could. You know, it's like, are you tired? Well, I just wish I were. No, I can keep going. <laughs> but at any rate, um, but then give me an example. Like if someone were to say to you, which I'm asking you now, actually, mm-hmm. um, what was your moment, your defining moment when people asked you, you know, what was that click? Yeah. Yeah. So, so mine was actually in, uh, 2000, in exactly 2000, 2001 timeframe when I, I'd moved out to Houston for a job in the oil and gas industry, which I'd been working for, you know, eight years at that point, a total of 12 years in, in oil and gas. And over that time, I'd gotten really fat and unhealthy. I was about 40 pounds heavier than I am today. And that's not a good look on a five foot eight ish person. <laughs> so, um, and, and I went to the doctor and he said three things. You're 40 pounds overweight. You have high blood pressure and high cholesterol. And you'll be lucky to see 40 if you continue down this route. And that, that really shocked me into just going, wow, at 30 years old and I'm already on heart medication. I mean, that's, that's something that, you know, my dad, you know, has to, has to take on a regular basis. And I didn't want to go down that route. And so I asked the doctor, I was like, well, do I have to take the medication or, or is there some, something else that I can do to not take the medication? Because he kind of chuckled, said, well, there's this, thing called diet and exercise that some people do, but I really recommend that you take the medication. Oh, really? He wasn't being <laughs> ironic? Oh, no, no, no. It was like I could see someone serious. being sarcastic. Well, you could do diet and exercise, or I could put you on drugs. Um, yeah. No, he, I mean, I, was, I didn't think I was that far gone. And so, so I went on this journey, a 12-week journey for getting my body back and getting my health back. And it worked. And I, I did a contest of uh, the 12 week body, body for life. I remember uh, oh, <laughs> to yeah, this day, 12, yeah, yeah. Uh, the 12 week body transformation contest. I did the whole, you know, before and after picture, wrote sad sob story about how it changed my life, which it did and, um, entered the contest. I, I ultimately didn't win the contest. But I did lose 40 pounds of fat and gained 10 pounds of muscle in 12 weeks and completely changed just who I was in the trajectory of my life because that got me the love of fitness, too. And that's what got me into personal training and helping other people that had the same struggles that I did, you know, reverse those just those struggles and get off the medication. That's so, so that, powerful. Thanks. And so that's my, my kind yeah. of signature story that I would always use when I was doing speaking engagements or when I was doing sales presentations for anybody interested in joining my, my fitness uh, business. Yeah. Well, it's so relatable, right? Mm. We have those inflection points, those choice points. Um, and, you know, to get that told to you at 30 is like, hello, what? Yeah. yeah. You got to be joking. And then it's like, he's not laughing. Mm. It's not a joke. But how great that you stepped up and said, I think I'm going to try something different mm-hmm. and yeah. be your own coach on that. So then you have had in business as well, I imagine you think about that example and that translates mm-hmm. over in, oftentimes into leadership or entrepreneurial 
challenges as well, right? It's like here you are on the precipice. Pick one way or the other. You got to do something, right? So how does that or how does being a leader in business come with those limitations and how have you overcome those challenges? I mean, as an entrepreneur, you're you're just kind of thrown into becoming a leader. and You just have to kind of figure it out uh, over time. Luckily, I had coaches along the way that helped guide me based on their experience doing the same thing. And I think that that was the key is I always chose coaches that had similar experiences that I didn't want to go through already. You know, and, and that's the way that I coach as well is. You know, I you know I started this business. I almost failed at the business. I succeeded. I sold it. And those are so many different areas in just that fitness business that you know I can teach other people so that they don't have to go through the same struggles that I went through, or at least limit the struggles a little bit. I think everybody needs to have a little bit of that strife in their life um, to to grow, but it doesn't have to be you know do or die uh, at that point. So give me some examples of strife that helps us grow, that is not do or die. I like the concept. I just want a little more picture in my head about where you're taking us. Oh, yeah. I mean, I mean, it, it could be anything. You know, for me, it was always, it always seemed to be financial problems in the business, just, you know, areas where things just weren't working. Right. I wasn't able to get the new clients coming in and I was like, oh, my gosh, what, what am I going to do? You know, do I Google, you know, how to market for a fitness business? How do I how do I sell fitness? And actually, that's what I did <laughs> when I was, you know, six months into owning the business and my bank account was draining. And I didn't know if I was going to be able to make payroll and rent the next time is what do I do? And that's when I actually reached out for help. And in doing that as an entrepreneur. I think we're a lot of times we're brainwashed into thinking that, you know, you're an entrepreneur. You can do anything. You you know, you don't need anybody's help. Just grind it out and it'll happen. And I think that that advice is so toxic that it, it doesn't do anybody any good. And really, it's it, it should be. Yeah, you're an entrepreneur. Find some other entrepreneurs to hang around with and figure it out that you're not alone, that there is a community of people that are going through the exact same thing you are. Find that community and learn from them so that you can progress along your journey. Well, and I always think about it like, um, well, our parents. So since I called you by all your names, I'll keep the parent parent kind of thing going. But I remember my dad saying, the only reason I'm telling you this is so you can, you don't, then that'd be so difficult for you. Then, you know, a teenager, I'm thinking, well, I still don't think you know what you're talking about, right? Until yeah. about eight years later, I'm going, man, that was really good advice. But um, but it's that whole thing. Like if someone doesn't have to be that much further ahead of you, they just need to have gone through that gauntlet and can say, listen, you might want to think about this as an option. Or I tried this and it worked and or I learned this. I think people are very willing to help in that way. If we will ask and say, hey, can I have a little bit of time here? You know, and um, and I think you're right. I think it is very toxic to be told that you can do it all, you can grind it out, or worse, that you have to do everything because you can't afford to pay someone to help you, right? Because it's so, um, the sense of relief and freedom and the ability to do what you're in business to do expands when you get that kind of support and help. Yeah. Do you agree or is this just oh, abs- No, no, that is 100% on, especially about hiring. I remember having this argument with with the coach that I had at the time, and actually she still is my coach to, to, to this day. Um, that I was like, oh, I just can't hire an assistant. That just seems not not me. You know, why do I need to pay somebody ten dollars an hour? To blah 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 blah. And it was just all these you know limiting beliefs in in my head about you know being able to afford somebody. And you know, finally, I, I bit the bullet. I hired this guy for. 20 hours a week, 10 bucks an hour, $200 a week, right? Not not a lot of money, but at that time, it was a lot of money for me. I was like, oh, my gosh, is it, you know, am I going to get a return on investment on, on this? 
And I, and I swear, on the in the second week of this guy joining the company, it was just my assistant, right? Just did all the administrative things. I sold more personal training packages the next week than I had had in months before, just because I had the energy to actually do the sales consultations, do them well, and just do some marketing outside of, you know, being inside the facility, vacuuming, cleaning the toilets, you know, do, doing everything, you know, making folders up for new clients, all the administrative stuff that I shouldn't be doing at, I was paying somebody else $10. $10. I, I was making more than, you know, like $80 an hour not doing that. So, it, it, you know, the math, and that's what my coach helped me figure out is like, we did the math together and I was like, oh yeah, this doesn't make sense for me to do that work. Right. Well, and I, sometimes like doing that work, which, you know, folders and all that stuff, what's great about it is you can avoid what you need to be doing. It's like, <laughs> I feel yes. so productive because I can look at the end of the day and see this got accomplished. But you're thinking, yeah, but that was the wrong thing for me to be spending my time on. Someone else could do okay. it probably better and faster. And I could be doing the high impact work. Um, yep. You know, that's, so that's good. That's a good mm-hmm. takeaway. You know, the yeah. whole piece of I can't afford it. I had similar conversations before I got help. And now I can't imagine not having help. I'm like, going, yeah, yeah. even though I have the time, I'm thinking, why would I do that? There's something else I'm supposed to be doing, right? Or I want to be doing to grow the business, to help more people. And it isn't doing this admin thing. But I will yeah. say, admin is a good distraction for me when I'm trying to put something off. Such a good, any time that I start to do like admin work or I start cleaning, that's a, that's a trigger for me now to say, what am I avoiding doing in the business? I have a lot of clean dishes all the time. I'm thinking (laughs) five minutes. Why are you cleaning the dishes at this time? I just need five minutes to think. You're right. (laughs) Anyhow. Okay. But let's talk though about storytelling, Mm -hmm. you know, because you really have own that craft and the art of it. So share some key strategies and insights on how entrepreneurs can harness the power of storytelling to elevate their business and why they should do it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's really important to connect with other humans at a human level, especially on sales and especially for and of those more personalized services, health and wellness is, is a prime example of that. And it can be a struggle for a lot of entrepreneurs to, to know that, you know, gosh, I don't want to share my story with the world. You know, it's, it's kind of embarrassing or, or they, they say, well, nobody's going to care about my story. Like, why should I have to, you know, share that? And it's, and it's coming from a place of, you know, probably fear of being a little vulnerable and you know, letting people inside, which I totally get because that was really hard for me to share a lot of these stories. But ultimately when I did, it, the result was very, was great. It was amazing. And, and it's really a simple, simple framework of, of finding that right story. And I take people through this and actually the, the workbook that I'd love to give your audience has the whole process built into it as well. But the very first thing is take inventory of all the stories in your life that had an impact on you. And, and I always caution people on only focusing on the tragedies because that's, you know, everybody hears the rags to riches story, the near death experience, all that, which are valid stories and, and great to share, but not that everybody has those stories. And so a lot of people are like, Oh, I, I don't have one of those you know, really good stories. And that's like every story is a good story when you craft it the right way. So we, we never forget about the comedies in there as well. And so we go through that, make the list, and then I have them <laughs> go through the list and relive those moments. And and we do this on Zoom, and I'm, I'm, I'm watching them as they go through this. And, and you can see, like, when they start to get a little uncomfortable, they kind of shift in their chair, or, or maybe they start crying a little bit or, or laughing or something like that. And when, when they're in that moment, of you know going through the stories in their own head and i see some type of physical reaction i know that's one of the stories that we need to dive into and i was asked to i was like well are any of those stories did you feel like 
your palms starting to sweat, your your breathing changed, your heart was starting to raise, you're and like, oh yeah, this story right here is really embarrassing. It's like, great, that's the one we're doing. And they're like, oh, we can't do that. And and but ultimately going through that process of developing the story, then it it's very cathartic sometimes because a lot of like for me, I never really processed a lot of those stories that I went through and in writing them out and going through this process, I was like, ah, oh, that makes sense now. And now I can connect the dots and say, okay, I had to go through that so that I could learn this. And that's ultimately what you're teaching your audience too. You're teaching them what, that the journey is necessary and it, yeah. important is that, yeah. 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 That's great. I, the squirm factor. Oh. I, my coach did that to me recently. I, he says, okay, now that we were just doing a whole bunch. He says, so that little thing you just said, he goes, that needs to be recorded. I go, it's not that big a deal. He goes, I know it makes you uncomfortable to do it. I said, <laughs> I have another week before it has to be done. It'll get done. You know, yeah. I gave my commitment. I would do it, but you're absolutely right. It's the squirm factor. It's like, uh, can we just move on? Why do I have to yeah. share? Why do I got to share? But it is important. Um, mm-hmm. Now, let's talk about uh, um, one or two folks that you've worked with and how the quote-unquote squirm factor has helped them. Yeah. I one of my very first clients that I worked with and this years ago, and uh, her name is Fatima, and she's uh, a, a silver medalist, actually, in um, I think it was the 400 relay or 1600 relay of the Atlanta uh, Olympic Games. So back in the day, that was the Atlanta Games was where the bomb exploded in, in oh, the village. Yeah. If, it was a know. big deal. Yeah, it was a huge deal. And so she was at that those games, obviously wasn't injured, um, but went on to win a silver medal. And so she came to me and she owned a fitness business in California and, and was struggling getting new clients. And she wanted to do more speaking. And so she came to me primarily as a speaking coach. But we ultimately worked on her signature story and then wove that into a presentation that she performed and and then uh, got the profits off of as well. And her story was, I mean, talk about a tragedy. I mean, it was such a good story and impactful in her life and how it related to her training system. Because as as a child in Africa growing up. So she's from Africa. She's growing up there as a child, as a female child in Africa. At 11 years old, she was basically sold into slavery to a 55-year-old man at 12 years old. And she was like, well, obviously, I don't want to do this. And so she ran away from home. And in that process of running away from home, she became that runner that became her label then. And she was, she ran away, found some missionaries that helped her and uh, got her an education, got her away from that, you know, awful environment and got her education, got her training. She ultimately at one point, I think she was, said she was in her twenties and she got, she took her first plane ride went to Canada, saw white people for one of the first times. And it's like playing with our hair and, and just kind of like, like, this is really interesting. Kind of like how anybody is when they see somebody that's completely different from, from what we've been used to seeing. And, um, and so she, she goes through this story about, you know, her, the suicide attempts that she had as a, as a girl and, and the escape and all of this. And it was just, we wove this story together that was, you know, just so heavy at moments. And then we lifted the audience back up and got some laughs. And it, w- it was just beautiful when I, when I finally saw it on video. And she said the very first presentation that she did, she was like totally scared to do it. It was to her church group as well. So I was like, well, this is good because at least it's a supportive group that you're around. And she got a standing ovation after that very first presentation because it was such a powerful story. But ultimately, you know, after a year of doing more speaking engagements, her business doubled. And and the only marketing that she was doing was public speaking and telling her story at different events. 
and different groups. And she was like, Tom, this is, this is amazing. I never thought that my childhood story would inspire people to get healthy and fit. I was like, that's the power of story. Such a great example, Tom. So great. Yeah. yeah. And, um, and your description of it secondhand is chilling in and of itself. Yeah. You know, it's like. You can just imagine her doing it firsthand. Oh, God. Yeah. But proud of her. Yeah. Oh, she's so good. Yeah. Yep. Good on her. But do people. So now I'm going to switch gears and I'm going to be in the head of folks I work with. They're nonprofits. They're saying, but I don't have that big of a story. Right. That's a mm. dramatic story. Um, and I'm representing this group. So why does my personal story matter? Can you speak yep. to that a bit? Yeah, absolutely. And everybody has a, you know, a really good story to tell. You know, even, you know, my story of, of losing weight, tons of people have done that. I could have just, you know, skip that whole story, but finding the relevance to what I do today is, is actually pretty easy to do with any score story. And that's where a lot of people struggle. That's, and that's usually the objection that I get is, well, like my story has nothing to do with what I do today. Like there's, there's no relation. I said, let's not worry about that right now. Let's just kind of dive into the story and figure out what that connection is, what that bridge is to what you do today. Because ultimately people, like I said before, you know, people want to do business with other people and to be able to relate with them. And whether it's a nonprofit or for-profit, it doesn't matter. Like, especially with donors, I think it's even more important for nonprofits to identify the story of why they're doing what they're doing. As an organization or as the people within the organization? Because I'm thinking as of it at all these both. different levels. Absolutely. So there needs to be an organizational story, but also the people involved in the organization need to have their own story about why they join that organization or why they lead it, or why they do what they're doing for it. And and those stories are really, really powerful in when they're done correctly um, to, to persuade others to do things with you. So whether you're you're getting donors or you're selling your product, it's the same thing. Um, they need to understand why you're doing it versus you know, just the numbers and the facts and figures about the impact that the organization has, because they're not doing business necessarily with the organization. They're doing business with you. Absolutely. So, oh, that brings up so many questions I could ask you, but let me go, go back narrow again. So I'm actually picturing a couple of people I've worked with recently. So they have their story and they feel they should shift the story onto the success stories of the people they've helped, right? But mm. I'm thinking their motivation story and why they show up every, I mean, honestly, the work is not easy work. It's, mm -hmm. it's fatiguing. It's hard, under resourced frequently, and the need for donors and financial, in my, in my opinion, um, un, tethered dollars right that can be used to help people in a way that isn't totally prescriptive um mm -hmm. is important but if you can't tell your story about that so i guess my question is there's a gap between the inspiration story and knowing who we are as an organization or who i am as one of the people in the organization to that piece that says but without you the person who i'm speaking to or alongside we're nothing Right. How mm. can you build a story arc like that or a story that brings people in and says, I got to be with them, whether it's I'm a financial donor or a grantor, volunteer, whatever. Have you have you seen success in those areas? Yeah. I mean, when, when you're telling your personal story, you are the hero of your story. And I always use the hero's framework as as the way of writing a story because it, it's worked for ages. And so we go on this hero's journey. And when you're telling your own personal story, you are the hero in that story. And ultimately, though, 
in the way that we tell that story, we're getting the audience, whether it's one person or you know a thousand people, we're getting them to come into our story and be the hero alongside us. So at points in your story, people should be going, yeah, I can see myself there. I can see myself in that same situation. It'll be interesting to see how she gets out of it. Right. Or it's like, oh, yeah, like I went down that route, but she went down that route. Oh, that's interesting. Like, what's going to happen? And so we just take them on this journey of seeing themselves in that as that hero. And ultimately, we're going to shift that around to now they're the hero of their own journey once they join us. And we're the guide that's helping them along. We're the Yoda to their loop. Love Yoda. Okay. so. We're talking, you know, sales, and you're working with entrepreneurs, and I'm working with entrepreneurs and nonprofits. Sales is often one of those things like, I don't want to do it. Can yeah. someone else do it? Can you just do it for me? And I really think that, um, well, really, it's like, I yeah, no, it's true. think about being a kid. Can I pay you to do my chores? <laughs> right. mm-hmm. But that ownership of it. You know, the further I've gone into business and stuff, and someone says, do you like selling? I said, I don't think of it as selling. I actually think of it as trying to help someone get what they want. And if I can't talk to you or help you, how do I know what you need or want? But but that's coming from a, a many years, right? So, but you have someone who might be going, oh, I'm just starting this business. So what are some of the misconceptions people have when you're working with them about sales, how to go about them, and just sales in general. Yeah. Well, I think a lot of people believe sales is a verb like because it's something that you do to somebody, and it's not. And I, and I, I would challenge everybody to shift their mindset over to problem-solving mode. And everybody loves to solve a problem, right? And that's what salespeople do. There's a problem. We're here to solve it. And we'll either solve it with our program or refer you to somebody who can. And that's, when you think about it, I mean, that's, that becomes very empowering at that point and saying, oh, yeah, I want to help people. That's what, and that's what heart-centered selling to me is all about, is being able to help people realize that the problem that they have right now is solvable and is best to be solved with my program if, if I really believe that I can help that person. Yeah. And that's the shift that everybody and that has this fear of selling. And I, I was one of them because, you know, I was always grown up uh, as I was grown up. Thomas Vincent, um, don't talk to that salesperson. They'll make you do something. It was almost like that. You know, I remember one time I was a little bit of a mischievous uh, child growing up. No believe kidding. It or not. I could have never yeah. guessed. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> So I was like flipping through the paper and I saw this ad for free steak knives. And I think we had just had meat the night before. And I was like, guys, these steak, these knives that we have are awful. Like we could use some new steak knives. And so I, I called up the, the place and they were like, yeah, yeah, absolutely. You can get these free steak knives. All you have to do is listen to a presentation from our, our vacuum guy. <laughs> so steak knives, vacuums. I'm not getting it, but I want my knives. I know. I wanted the knives. And so um, that was the incentive to have a sales presentation. So that's pretty clever. And and so I called, I made the appointment. I said, oh, hey, mom, dad, I have a friend coming over. Hey, can we just like um, just sit here and I tell you what, when that guy showed up and started vacuuming the, the couch and then half the couch, actually. Um, oh, I, my, my dad was just like steaming. I just, he was being very polite. But I could just tell that something was going to happen. Thomas after. Vincent, what yeah, were Thomas you? Thomas Vincent. That's right. I was, and I was like, "Yeah, but we got free steak knives. You didn't have to buy the vacuum. You still got knives." And they're oh, like, "That's oh, so great." This child. <laughs> yeah, but it was that mentality of yeah. they're here to do something to us, not to help us solve a problem. But and so that I was did you learn something about a vacuum? Oh, I, I, I did. Yeah. I think it was actually a Hoover uh, vacuum back in back in that time. Yeah, yeah. Well, it, it actually did a really nothing, good job. Nothing's wasted, you know. I don't <laughs> want your vacuum today, but I know something about vacuums now. <laughs> I like that whole curious mind though, and very creative about getting those steak knives. 
All right, I'm going to shift gears on you a little bit. And that is, um, you know, I asked pre, pre-call, if you will, that um, what are you reading or learning from currently? And you talked about um, reading We're All In It in this together. Have you finished that book yet? Or are you still reading it? I'm still reading it. Uh, yeah, I'm awkward li- listening to it. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. He, you know what? That's a great audio, audio book. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. what drew, so this is, um, this book is written by Mike Robbins, who was a former baseball player, which drew me to him. I'm thinking, well, I'm so curious what we're all in together about. Tell me what drew you to this book. Um, and then up to this point, what are some of your takeaways from it? So it was actually my coach that uh, suggested that I, I read that book. And then also, and the plan is after I read it, that I'll take my team uh, through the book as well. And as a way of uniting a team, because the, the team that I have is remote. So we've nobody's ever met before except over Zoom. So there's no physical meeting and and living in all different places of the world. And it's it's hard to get a really good team dynamic if you one never met each other and and you don't really know everything about that person. Not that you have to know everything about your coworkers, but you know it's it makes a more fun, engaging um, you know employment when you you know <laughs> who you're working with and why they're doing the the work with you. And so that's that's the reason why that we we I got the book and started listening to it, and you know just some of the training that he's gone through, especially about diversity inclusion, um, is is really interesting. I mean, this one story that he told just really struck struck out to me about um, he was in a training and the trainer asked all the men when was the last time that they felt a little unsafe, like. And so the men, you know, they thought about a couple times maybe in their lives that they felt unsafe. They, I think he took them back to like, hey, do you feel unsafe more than a year ago? Yeah, six months, three months, two months today, right? Came all the way down to today. And not many guys were like, yeah, in the last week. And he did that with the women, then same same group, just about everybody had their hand raised all the way through to today. And he was shocked. He was like, this is, and I was shocked hearing this story. I was like, wow, that is quite a difference. And it doesn't need to be that way, especially if it's around work. Because then that impedes how we show up as employees and do the work. Because if if we're troubled with something or we got accosted on the, the train in the morning or, you know, something happened in the car, like, on the way to work, you're not going to be that productive. And if you don't have a trusting team that you can talk to and, and openly talk about situations like that, then that's even, that's going to further keep you from being your true authentic self at work. It's very isolating, yeah. you know, when you can't be that. Um, and I've, I've come, this may be over the top, but I actually have come to realize our team is all remote. We are not, I'm, they're not my employees. We're all independent people who are, feel like we are hooked together on this journey. Like we're, <laughs> we show up, we keep working together, but there is a sense of family. It's like someone goes through something, we're there, you know? So mm-hmm. I don't mind butting in, you know, with boundaries. <laughs> I, you know, I ask permission, but it's like, I do want to know how people are doing. What's going on? Because yeah. life can tough and if you just show up to do your quote-unquote job you never know what someone may be dealing with and and i read i remember that part of his book and i'm when people are like i've never felt that way i'm thinking are you kidding me there's no woman on the planet that i've ever met that would say they never felt unsafe you know yeah. and if you don't know it it's just because it's deeper in your psyche but we're always thinking like okay where's my keys where's this where how you know it's just a weird subtext let's say so you're right you don't need any more of that in your life you certainly don't need it in your work environment that's right yeah wow i was so glad to see you were reading that yeah and take your team through it yes very cool and i imagine you'll be implementing that in some of your coaching as well of of course (laughs) yeah well how can we not be shaped by what we learn 
and the people who mentor us. You have referenced many times throughout the conversation of working with people, getting support and coaching, um, either for yourself or in your role with others. So if someone's listening and they're thinking, how do I know what a good mentor or coach for me is or what type of person I should be even reaching out to? What should I ask for help with? Like, is it for an assistant or something different? How do you help people think through that, Tom, and figure it out? Well, I, I'm at the end of the day, I'm a numbers guy. So I always use the numbers of the business to guide decisions. And I don't know if that's good or bad, but it's worked for me. And, um, and so, so especially when you're looking to hire somebody, it's looking at, well, one, can you afford to hire that person? But then also asking the question, can you afford not to hire that person? And looking at both sides of that, that equation. And in, in, when I was hiring a, the uh, assistant, you know, could I afford $200 an hour or I'm an hour, $200 for the week? Mm, yeah, I could squeeze it out, but could I not afford and like 20 hours of my life back? Like, how could you put a price on that? And so that, that's when I made the decision to hire the guy. And every time that I've, I've hired a coach or gone to a seminar or some type of you know improvement uh, work, I always look at, you know, what's what's my potential ROI if I implement everything that I learn here? And that's the key. And so you have to implement. Yep. Um, there's so many lifelong learners out there that just love to learn stuff, but never really do anything. And so that and that's really how I make that decision is, am I lacking in this area? Who's the best person or second person or, or third best person that I can talk to that can help me overcome some of the fear that I have about jumping into doing this? Yep. Yeah. And it's just that that first that mental questioning of yourself, asking yourself good questions like you just laid out for us is helpful. And then rather than just being stuck, staying stuck in the thinking about it, at least taking the step, make a call, schedule, a, you know, so many people will give you a little bit of time just to help you think through something. And yes, it can be nervous. Don't fall into the fear that it's a steak knife vacuum thing. Like if you get on a call, they're going to sell you something. They might try to, they might tell you that you're not a fit for them, but they were happy to meet you and they can help you for mm -hmm. 20, 30, 40 minutes. So, but I would encourage people to step out, do something, right? If you're serious yeah. about wanting to grow, risk a little and reach out. So yeah. on that, um, I want to ask you another question, which is about we're really asking our guests to reflect back on previous guests on the podcast. Was there a takeaway mm. they had from them? And part of that is because our guests like you are giving of your time and your talent here. And I want to the degree we are able to on the podcast to continue to lift that up. Um, so as you go out there, you'll become one of the people people listen to more and more. So can you share with me an episode, a guest, something you took away from them that was helpful for you? Yeah, it was uh, the episode with Dr. Mercer. Um, and Marianne she was Mercer. talking about Marianne. Yeah, that was great. Great episode. And I, I love the. It just how she wove her own personal story. And I thought it was a very clever uh, storytelling technique that she used about the labels that she was prescribed as a child and ultimately how she overcame the learning, you know, learning disabilities that she was labeled with and became a doctor, you know, which I, it is such a great story to tell. And the way that she told it was very, very engaging. So I was, I was struck by two things. One is, just the the story itself and, and her resilience, but also her storytelling techniques. Yeah, I know. I, I felt it good. like I didn't get where it was going until almost the turn, right? And I'm thinking, oh, yeah. you got me. Oh, and I love that. I in. love being that. Like when I'm surprised yeah. by a guest where I'm going, that was so great. That's good so, storytelling. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. Well, we'll what I'm doing with this is I'm going to clip them and start to use them so people can go, oh, when I listen to Dr. Mary... Um, I can look for this. I thought the same thing. I thought, yeah, yeah I, you see who the quote unquote end project is in, in person mm -hmm. is at least currently everybody's evolving. 
but you never think about like people can look at you and say, Oh yeah, he's got all this stuff behind him. But without your story, they don't know what did it take to shape and mold you. And that's the beauty of your story and how you are here promoting story. So um, I want to ask you if there are any final words of wisdom, something you want to share with our, you mentioned your um, guidebook you'd like folks to have. Can you talk a little bit about that, Tom? Yeah, so it's called the storybook. So it's how to create your own personal story. So I take you through the step-by-step process on how to identify the different stories in your life, ultimately pick the two or three that have the most emotional charge to them, and then how to craft those into the hero's journey. So it just takes you step-by-step through that. And that's available on my website, which is Tom Jacobs, T-O-M-J-A-C-K-O-B-S dot com slash storybook and so it's a just a quick you know probably takes somebody maybe 30 minutes to an hour to go through but ultimately if you really want to dive in and get a really good story take a little bit more time uh, on the on the front end identifying those stories yeah yeah i think that's a super great gift because once we can start pulling the stories it also it's self-affirming you're going wow I kind of have a lot of experience or things I could share or benefit others with. So that in itself is a gift to help reflect for us to reflect. I'm happy to share those resources in the podcast notes. So folks, you know, we'll have links to that for Tom. And what's the best way for folks to connect with you, Tom? Is it through your website or is there a better way? Yeah, through the website's the best way or um, there's email and social media and impact pilot on, on us. on uh, Instagram and then Tom Jacobs on everything else. So many, so many different handles. I was like, I get confused. <laughs> hey, Luckily well, I have a team that handles all that for me. So I don't have to goodness. deal with it. I know. Thank goodness for team. Yeah. Um, yeah. So folks, I'm sitting here in Pacific daylight time on the West coast of the United States. Tom's in, where are you now? I'm sorry. You told me the beginning. I forgot you're in, I'm in Taiwan, and so we're in, in China Standard Time. Is the so it gets confusing when it's CST. People think, oh, you're in Central Time. Central Standard. Like, oh, we're only uh, two hours different. Here. Yeah. No. So it's early morning. Taiwan. Yeah, early morning in Taiwan, Taipei, Taiwan. Taipei. I've been there once in an airport. It was oh. immense, and yeah. it made me pause. <laughs> Okay, there are a lot of rules, and you do not break the rules. That was my That's one right. takeaway. Follow the rules, and all will be well. Um, so thanks for getting up early, bringing your coffee, and having a great conversation with us, Tom. And I look forward to more conversations. Thank you. Me too. You've been listening to the No Labels, No Limits podcast with best-selling author, change agent, and strategic vision coach, Sarah Box. You can grab the show notes and find out how to work with Sarah at sarahbox.com forward slash no labels, no limits podcast. We'd love this podcast to reach as many people as possible. So please remember to rate, leave a five-star review and share the podcast with someone you think would get value from this conversation. Until next time, keep taking those daily action steps to align your purpose to your principles and achieve your goals in business and life.